Welcome back, Cal listeners. This is Methodical Millions, episode 45. Thanks everyone for tuning in today. Cal, we covered some good topics recently and I wanted to maybe get a bit more technical. Let's talk about a topic called liquidity and why I wanted to was because it is something that is probably quite important to understand if you're going to get into any style of trading, investment, or even business. What do you think about liquidity? What does it mean? Can you give us a basic definition? Liquidity is basically how easy you can have access to some sort of asset to and from cash without really having to change the price too much. So for example, cash itself is the most liquid asset because you can use it without affecting its value. Let's say you buy some property and if the market is liquid, you can sell that property at its market value. But if the market is a liquid, then you might have to drop the price quite a bit to be able to sell that asset and then get the cash. So even if it's worth half a million dollars for that property, for the sake of example, you can say that because the market is not liquid enough, because the demand is low at that period of time, you might have to sell it for 400000 just to get a buyer. That's basically liquidity, how quickly you can convert that asset to cash and back without really having to sacrifice the change in the price of that asset. Yeah. So does that mean there's a metric for liquidity like a true value of an asset. The saying goes for things like art. It's worth what someone's willing to pay for it. So is there a metric that measures the market value of something? And can we talk about maybe some examples of different assets, especially maybe on the other side of the spectrum? What's something that's very illiquid? Let's use an example first of what is liquid. Cash is the most liquid of all. But let's say you take that cash and you want to put it into some sort of asset to either generate income or appreciate in value. So let's say you put it into an equity. You buy something of a blue chip company and there's a lot of volume. So volume shows you the number of shares that exchange hand within a certain time frame. And if there's high volume that's traded on average, you know that you can safely sell or buy that asset at the market price at the time of you trying to execute that trade. Let's use Apple. Assume it's trading at $130 a share, you want to buy 1,000 shares of Apple. Now you can go through the market and place a trade, and if it's trading at $130 a share, you'd effectively get that price for your entire 1,000 shares, give or take a few cents. So you know that your dollar value is generating that, and if you have that, and it goes to 131 for example, and you want to sell it, you know when you sell those 1,000 shares, you would get that value back to you. So you made that appreciation. But the point is trying to convert that back to cash to sell those shares. You don't have to sell a lot less just to get your money back. That's what we call the difference between the bid and the ask, the spread. The tighter the spread usually means the more liquid the market is, the more volume that's traded, the more interest there is. On the other hand, if you're looking at something that's illiquid, using the same similar example, you can find a spread that's very, very wide. So someone's willing to pay 
$50 to buy the asset. And the next best seller would be willing to sell at $52 for that asset. So if you have those shares and you want to sell it, you have to go down $2 for your next best buyer. So that's a widespread in the sense of stocks. In this case, it's a bit less liquid. There is less demand. And usually you see those in either assets that don't trade in high volumes during different market hours of the day. So sometimes pre-market or after the market closes, you'd see those wide spreads of those assets. And because there's no more volume trading for you to exercise your sell order or buy order during those times, you have to go pay a lot higher or sell it for a lot less than what you would normally do. The liquidity shrinks. And just to get your cash back, it means there's a difficulty and you have to compromise by actually selling at a lower price than you ideally would like to. There are many other examples of liquidity as well, depending on what real estate you buy and where you buy it, those large assets could be difficult to liquidate. You could have a huge factory. There are not many people who would be buying and selling factories every single day. It depends on the next buyer willing to pay for that factory. And sometimes you'll get what you want. Sometimes it'll be a lot more difficult to do. Those are just a few examples. And it is very important because the fact that you have that liquidity is actually peace of mind because you sometimes have to transfer your position, whether it was from savings, you want to buy property, you want to put into a business, you want to buy some sort of equity. In that sense, you have to have that available cash to shift from one to the other. You said a couple of things there. So maybe at a different price, let's say a price of a certain stock or ticker, there may be a lot more buyers at a lower price. I think that doesn't really make it illiquid. It's just where the most liquidity sits might be at a lower than desired price. And I'm glad we're talking about this topic because it's a good example of deciding when you are investing, when to sell, when to hold, when to shift your money. If something is illiquid and you don't believe the asset will perform long term, if you know that there's a chance the asset could keep dropping, then you have to take a higher liquidity, lower than desired price at that market point because your goal is to get out of it. And your negotiation to yourself is, I'll take a 5 10% loss versus maybe the ask just to close and fill this order so I don't have to think about it anymore so that I can redeploy the capital. And it's a cool term because then you start to understand, well, that 5 10 points isn't a big deal if I'm saving myself from an 80% loss or some crazy downturn or whatever example you want to use. And another point I wanted to make, so if you're going to talk about real estate, liquidity does matter. And I remember browsing, I guess if you want to call them upper luxury in the two, $3 million range, let's say in the GTA area or maybe across the States. And some of the apps that kind of aggregate all the info will have data on lost solds and maybe even a specific house. What did it sell for five years ago? And I find that kind of interesting because you'll see custom homes that people flip and I actually have clients who do so. And one house in particular, I remember selling for 3.6 or five years ago and now pulled 3.1. So all of a sudden you're taking a 20% loss five years later. Real estate absolutely has a liquidity factor. And if you're in this to do well and to 
manage your own money, manage your own future, I would say understanding liquidity is important. So instead of buying a $3 million house, do you buy five, $600,000 homes? And maybe the liquidity might be much higher because you might have 10,000 buyers at a given time who want to buy a starter town home versus maybe five to 50 people who want to buy a $3 million house. And maybe those people are more discerning, have more disposable income, higher net worth, might be more cash buyer. And all of a sudden you're exposing yourself to negotiation, which means maybe the buyers have less to lose. Maybe you need to sell that home more because you mortgaged a million dollars or two out of the three and you want to start another project or you've got a business on the go that needs a cash infusion. And these are all factors. So it's actually quite a cool topic because it can span almost every area in life every time you transact. And it really does matter. Just thinking about this negotiation, I mean, we've been around it. We do it for a living. For those that don't, what are two things you should know about negotiating? So jokingly ask, if you don't ask, you don't get. If you don't test price in the market, if you don't put yourself out there and say, this is what I want, it doesn't even have to be for negotiation, just anything in life. If you don't bring it to mind, if you don't think about it, how could you possibly ever get the result you want? So someone who is maybe not used to thinking that way or negotiating, I'd start there. And that's called the anchor price, by the way. So let's say I'm selling a hoodie. All of a sudden, I want to sell it for $500 versus 50, maybe the most common one, 50 is on the upper end of an average price of a hoodie, but this is a Supreme or a high-end boutique label. I'm going to weed out all the buyers who thought they'd get it for a certain price. And all of a sudden, some might offer me 400. And maybe a week ago, I didn't think I'd get the kind of money. So the anchor price is important to set the expectation. And you could be high. Again, liquidity will matter because if there's no buyer for high-end hoodies, then you're in trouble. You'll have to fire sale it, get the 50 bucks or hang on to it. And that is where things like art or high-end real estate or other things, liquidity could be a problem. So when it comes to things like cars or collectibles or something really unique, I would not buy it for the sake of liquidity. I would buy it for more of a buy it for life mentality. I'd buy it because I enjoy it because I want it. I'm not trying to mark up the asset every year and think of flipping it, I'm going to keep it and use it. And yes, the liquidity probably changes over 10 years. Maybe it appreciates and maybe I'm in a good position. Some cars will do that. There are cases like that for sure. But don't get yourself into a position of something that's high cost. So a big percentage of your cash or that you can't give away. And in negotiating, if you're in a bad position where you have to do something, where the buyer has a better position because you as a seller need to sell something, then I think you expose yourself to 25, 50% losses versus maybe the price you wanted to get. So cool concept, definitely. There was one more part I wanted to cover. So if you're selling or buying, a big factor in negotiating is willingness to walk away. So back to liquidity, if you want to sell this hoodie for 500 and you're getting a lot of offers for one, 200, you really don't want to sell it. You don't really care. Eventually, if there's enough buyers out there, one will pay very close to what you're asking because maybe they want it more than you. And maybe you need that certain buyer to be out there. But I think that is part of the important factor. So if you're in the business of flipping cars, houses, 
you probably want to find high liquidity. And if you have a good source to get inventory or to buy things at the right price, then that's probably a recipe for making money. I think that business would do reasonably well and you could start. So all you need after that's some cash to get inventory and all of a sudden you've got a business. That's essentially what I wanted to say. I wanted to cover those pieces for someone who's not used to negotiating. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this book, but there's a really good book I read. It's called Never Split the Difference. And this person who wrote it was a FBI hostage negotiator. And I really loved it because it gave me an understanding of open-ended negotiating where the person on the other side of you comes up with a solution. And it goes into ideas of how you can strong on a position, but if you have someone on the other side who's unreasonable, in very sensitive situations, you can get run into a position where you lose and you're not in control. So I think getting someone else to come up with a solution is also a nice secret. If someone gives you an offer that's very close to what you'd accept, so you might even list higher, but you might set a threshold of okay, well, I'm going to list my house at $2 million, but I take 1.5 or 1.8. And all of a sudden they offer you 17518, then you're probably happy. And all of a sudden you've got the outcome you wanted. So what I'm saying is all these little factors, I think will play a role because if you can't measure and assess liquidity and understand how important the value is of something to you, when it's time to sell, how could you possibly figure out the right price? And Understanding these key concepts, I think, will help you get smarter and help you make an informed decision. And at the end of the day, as I said, no one will write you a check for missed opportunity. So I think everyone who has their name on something, whether it's an old cell phone or a bunch of properties, should be able to walk through the numbers and say, okay, well, this is what I would value this at and be able to go to the market that way. So if you are serious about making a future and owning your life, I would say it's a very important concept to understand. So Cal, are we missing anything? We covered the idea of something being a liquid, what that means. Do you have any other tips for handling liquidity or any advice there for our listeners? I loved what you've said with regards to the negotiations. And you did mention this book before, and I actually just started reading it. Very, very fascinating. And very interesting for sure. That's exactly it. Sometimes if you're willing to wait, liquidity can work in your favor. So if it's something that you don't mind tying your money into for a long period of time because you got it at a very sweet deal, hopefully wait long enough to sell for a profit. That's a possibility. You can utilize that to your advantage. But for the vast majority of people, liquidity is actually like you mentioned, very important to understand. And that's engraved in the mechanics of how we deal day-to-day, how we operate businesses. Businesses go where the demand is, and demand means money. People want this thing. People request this service or product or item. And you as a company, you try to provide that for the demand and satisfy that demand because the liquidity is there. So you go there and you sell those hoodies and in turn, you get cash back. So the basics of economics of supply and demand, it is important for the majority of us to look into something with liquidity in mind. So anything you're looking to invest in or just to park your money in, then you have to understand 
that I was able to get into that? Is it easy to get out of? And if it is, what are the risks involved in terms of how easy can I convert it to cash? How easy can I sell it? At what price? So that is liquidity. And that's why certain asset classes, certain products, like I said, even collectibles could be very attractive. And you can hear of these huge numbers that some very special cars or artwork that fetched millions and millions of dollars. But the question remains is, if you were to buy that and try to sell it back, what are the odds of you getting that number back or higher? There is a liquidity question in there. Yeah. My casual examples are always go sell an iPhone on Kijiji or eBay versus an outdated piece of technology. There's clearly no demand for something like that, where an iPhone, the price might be debatable, but if it's within three years old, you're going to find tons of buyers out there. So that's always a good example. And maybe I can give an analogy. So you're traveling and you're in a country you've never been and you exchange your US dollars for the local currency. You're there for a week, you have a good time, and then all of a sudden you forgot to exchange your money back when you fly home. And maybe you fly home back to another country that doesn't even use US dollars. So it could be another mid-level currency. And what happens when no one wants to take your money? They'll say, okay, well, we don't accept that here. You have to go to some international exchange depot. And all of a sudden you've run into a liquidity problem. No one will take your money, even though it has some value somewhere. So being able to connect with the people who want to transact with you is important. And at what price? That's a fantastic example because that is what liquidity is. Is there someone out there willing to pay the price for you without losing value? If it means that you'd have to compromise or sell for less than what you wanted, again, that's a liquidity issue with, like you mentioned, currency or an old item that no one really wants. Hear these stories of some people giving things away because there's no one who's going to pay any money for them. So that's a problem. If it's not worth anything for anyone, then there's no liquidity. And that means the item could be, in theory, worthless. That's a good way to look at it. Awesome. I'm glad we covered that. Just wanted to bring that up so people can add that to their toolkit of understanding the world and understanding anything from business to investing to whatever your next project is going to be. So with that said, let's wrap up today's episode. That was Methodical Millions, episode 45. If you'd like to follow future episodes, you can find us at methodicalmillions.com or info at methodicalmillions.com for episode feedback. Thanks, everyone.